sing on heaven in the home. And, and this is our third week to do that. And so, uh, you know, if you feel like you're coming in in the middle of a movie, well, I'm going to do a little bit of reviewing, but we do have the tapes available in, uh, in the, the bookstore. And so, and we've been talking about how every home is different because every person is different. Amen? Some homes have two older members, you know, two people that are on up there, their kids are gone, and some people have five people in the home and three of them are under five years old. And you know what? That makes a home different. Would you agree? That the two older people and the people with five, that's going to make it different, isn't it? And uh, uh, so... Um, those factors will change things about a home. And you know, we're, our, you know we, we're different. We like different things. Some people like uh, pastels in their home or, or white on white. I mean, everything's white. You know what I mean? Uh, shabby chic or something, you know? Uh, and then some people, it's like, give me a blaze of color in my home. And you know, we have a right. We have a God-given right to be different. God didn't stamp out us out of a cookie cutter. Amen. That's why, you know, the things that, that, that society tries to put on us, that every woman's supposed to look like a Barbie doll and every woman, you know, and you know what I'm saying? And we all, you know, remember when everybody wore their hair like Farrah Fawcett? I'll tell you, everybody remembers that. Raise your hand. Hey, even, hey, y'all must be older than I think you are because I thought nobody's going to raise their hand but me and Gail. And, you know, because, uh, you know, sometimes I say things to y'all and y'all go, I don't remember that. But, you know, but, you know, we're not supposed to be like that. We're not supposed to be all a cookie cutter. Amen. The world tries to put that on us. But sometimes, you know, even the religion tries to put that on us. Well, we all have to wear our hair the same way. I won't make any con and we all have to wear our skirts the same length. You know what I'm saying? Religion tries to make us all be the same. But we are not but the the Holy Spirit and Jesus is very creative. We don't have to we can just look around and tell that Jesus was creative. Well, I mean there's blonde heads in here and there's dark black heads and there's well and then there's some that we don't know really what color their hair is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we don't know what color it'll be tomorrow either. <laughs> hallelujah, you know, uh, hallelujah. But you can tell from birth that babies, they're just, they just come out different, don't they? Hallelujah. They just, all of them look different. Noses are different. Toes are different. You know, we have different toes in our family. My dad says that we, we can swim fast because we got toes that we got webbed feet kind of. It runs, and you know, the doctor took one look at Colin's toes when he was born and said, hmm, he must have got this from somebody. Well, I didn't claim it, but it came from my side of the family. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. <laughs> so anyway, you know, we're different. And we have that God-given right to be different. But every godly home is going to have some structural things that are the same. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 21, and I already prayed out of this scripture, but we will read it before we get started tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 21. We won't read the whole thing. We've been reading the whole thing down. Eight. You can take the time and read that whole chapter soon. But we'll look at verse 21. By the way, Eric didn't get the feet. He got his daddy's feet. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Did Carter get it? He Carter didn't get it. 
Man, skipped a generation there or something. <laughs> it says, verse 21, that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. So we're supposed to have days of heaven on the earth. Now we know... Um, uh, what heaven is like because we've read enough out of the word to know that there's no strife in heaven is there no dissension in heaven no bitterness no vengeance no discomfort grief or trouble what um, and what is in heaven is supposed to come into the Christian home Amen. The things that are in heaven are supposed to come into the Christian home. And, and, and you know, we can have heaven in, in our jobs and stuff like that uh, by using our faith, but it's promised to us for our home. It's promised to us that we as a family, because that scripture there, if you get into context there, he's talking about our children and what we and, and having days of heaven up on the earth. And so we need to know that. First of all, if we don't know it, we won't have it. We'll settle for what the world has. The Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I was talking today to women, and they were saying, oh, man, I didn't sleep a wink last night. I was just up all night. And I said, what happened last night? They said, man, it thundered every hour on the hour. It just was so loud. It was so noisy. I said, I didn't I slept like a log. I never heard a thing. Didn't hear anything. And they're like, oh, yeah, but I've been through a tornado. And I was like, and I started telling them. I said, yeah, but I read in the Bible where the house of the righteous shall stand. Now, I forgot that they don't know they're righteous, you know, and that that's like, oh, we couldn't say that. But I said, you know, and I said, you know why it works for me? And they said, no, why? I said, because I believe it. I said, it worked. You know, it might not work for you if you don't believe it. You might say, well, the Bible says the house of the righteous shall stand. If you don't believe it, your house will blow away anyway, you know. And so we got to believe it. We got to know that we can have days of heaven on the earth. And we got to get aggressive about receiving it and aggressive about, you know, the devil will steal from you anything you'll let him steal. Amen. But we, we have the right to deny it. Now, we, you know, if you've got a sickness or disease, you don't deny that you have it. You deny him that, that you, you don't deny, you don't deny that you have a broke arm, but you deny the devil the right. Amen. Amen. You don't have to have give that right away. And that comes, that head of the household thing is very powerful where that is concerned. And so we're to have heaven on earth. And you know, God gave us a chapter. And we're not going to go through it tonight. And it's called, it's 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love chapter. And in that chapter, he showed us how in not only in marriage, in our families, and, but in all relationships, how we are to respond. Amen? If we will just take 1 Corinthians 13 and begin to respond like it says to respond. Amen? You know, one of the things I know it says is, love hardly ever notices when others do it wrong. Now that's the, the, actually the living Bible when it says that in the living Bible. Love hardly ever notices when others do it wrong. Now, wouldn't that be a real wonderful thing to add to our marriage? It's Bible. It's Bible to just quit noticing when she does it wrong. To quit noticing when he does it wrong. Amen? Hallelujah. 
Okay, so we're going to put the love chapter into our families. And see, the love chapter is how God told us to live as a family. And you know, the Bible teaches us how God organizes the home. And the guts of every home, is of every godly home, are going to be the same. We can be different. In many ways, but the guts of that home are going to be the same. And we studied that. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22. And we'll find out about that those, those parts that every godly home has. We've already studied this some. We're just kind of reviewing and hitting it a different way. But we're going to get in some new stuff tonight too. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22. I tell you, we've been here four, a little over four years, and we haven't taught on this yet, so we don't have to. We ought not to be in a hurry, should we? Right. Hallelujah! It took us four years to get to it. We'll just take our time. Praise God! It says in verse twenty-two: Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it, that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that He might present it to Himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. We are the members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Praise God. Every godly home, number one, has a submissive wife. Now we've talked about this at length, about what submission means. Submission does not give the man the right to lord it over his wife. It does not give him the right to, uh, 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 to uh, control his wife. It doesn't give him the right to be demanding of his wife. It does not give him the right to demand that she submit. You can't demand that somebody submit. Submission is voluntary. Listen, if she doesn't submit from the heart, she didn't submit anyway, even if she carried out your instructions. Amen. And it's not going to be a supernatural. It's not going to have a supernatural effect if it's not done from the heart. If it's done with anger and it's done with bitterness and it's done, you know, well, bless God, I'm doing it. But and, you know, you're mumbling, grumbling and cussing him under your breath. Hallelujah. And so a man doesn't have a right to demand that a woman submit. Now, so every home has a submissive wife. Now, that doesn't mean we're all alike. That doesn't mean we're all quiet. See, we got the picture from religion that a, a, a that a submissive woman was just real quiet and that she just, you know, she never even spoke up. She never defended herself. She never gave her opinion. And nothing could be further than the truth. Amen? Submission means to yield to. It means to agree with. And, and what it means is, and I told you this last week, and I believe this with all my heart, I've proved it our own lives, that if both people in the marriage, the husband and the wife, if Jesus is Lord of their life, and they are true, and I mean Lord, when Jesus is Lord, family, He does not just, He's not just your Savior. 
When Jesus is Lord, that means you're doing what He tells you to do. That means that you have the attitude towards God that says, not my will, Father, but your will be done. But, and, and it's real easy to come to this conclusion about God because you, when you f- finally figure out that you don't know anything, when you quit being wise in your own eyes and thinking you're so smart, then you come to the conclusion of, Father, you're always right. And that you would never, and when we realize what we've taught you in this church, that God's always good. That He's not ever going to throw you a bone. Amen? So, so, and we don't have to defend ourselves against God. We can relax. We can let go. We can let Jesus be Lord. And when the husband and wife both are like that, and when we are praying people and in the Word. Now, if one of them's not a prayer and one of them's not in the Word, this won't work. But when both of them are seeking God, there's never been a time once when we ever had to put the submission thing to a test. When he said, I think we're supposed to move, you know what? I already had it in my heart too. When I said, you know what, I believe God spoke to me, we're supposed to sell this house. He'd say, you know what, I have a witness to that. When I said, you know, I, I, I think we're supposed to trade this car off. He'd say, you know what, it just, I just know, you know, we just never have had to, we've never had to put really submission to the test. Now we have in little things. I mean, we don't have problems on big things. If Pastor and I ever have to overcome something, you know what it is? Just petty strife. Just petty strife. Just somebody being tired and snapping or something. Somebody, you know, that, that don't happen at y'all's house, right? <laughs> just somebody getting out of the love walk just for a minute there, you know? But, you know, we, we fear God at our house, and so that happens, and I would like to tell you it hardly ever happens, but that'd be wrong. Man, it's hot in here. Somebody turn this front air conditioner on, okay? And... um. Uh, and, and so I'd like to tell you that hardly ever happens, but I want to tell you something. Devil's faithful, and we, we have to overcome at our house. One thing we do is we fear God, and we know He said that where there's strife, there is every evil work. So we get out of it quickly. You know, the Bible says to not let the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, one of our members caught me after church one night and said, I found a way around that, Miss Debbie. He said, I found out if the sun's already down. When you get in, when you get angry, yes, I think it says be angry and sin not or something like that. I don't know what it says, but it says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Anyway, he said if the sun's already down, you don't have to do anything. Well, if the sun's already down, the way I look at it, you got till sundown the next day. <laughs> no, I really think that what I take it as is don't sleep on that old thing. Amen. A better translation uh, uh, is just don't sleep on that old thing. That's one thing Pastor and I have made a policy of is we don't sleep on that old thing. Now, I'm a real deal with it kind of person. And he's, I mean, it's like we are going to deal with this. (laughs) And he's not as much deal with it as I am. And so hopefully you'll get somebody that compliments you. See, what God desired in a marriage is for us to give balance to each other. There's areas that I'm not strong in that he's very strong in. Amen. Now that's one area. It's like, man, I don't want to. Well, I I don't know if it's really. I can't sleep. I can't sleep till we deal with it. So if it's two o'clock in the morning, we're going to deal with it. Amen. And we deal with it. And you know, it's worked for us for 27 years dealing with it. Amen. One thing about it, nothing ever gets big and festers up. Because we get it out there and we get it dealt with. Amen. I, I personally, and I'm not just saying you have to be like me, but I personally think that's the best way.
I personally don't think it's best to let things fester and ride and get bigger and mull over them. And I don't think they go away when you don't deal with them. Do you? In your experience, has anything ever gone away by you ignoring it? No. Okay, so you might as well get it out there and get it out on the table and deal with it. Now, a lot of people don't like confrontation. A lot of people don't like to argue. They'd rather do anything than to argue. But I'm telling you, you know, um, there's not really anything wrong with a good godly argument. As long as you fight fair. Amen. If you're going to fight, fight fair. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I always say, you know, you hear sometimes people say, well, we've been married 50 years and we've never had an argument. Well, I always think one of them's brain dead. <laughs> yeah, that's a blind. You know, I, and I know that they're... What I've seen, though, here's, here's the people that never had an argument. Is the, There's a few people in this world that married somebody that's really the exact same personality type as them. And so they don't ever argue over anything. But I found with those people, and this is something you've got to be careful of. If you've got a wife and she's nearly exactly like you, I mean, she just, she's just like you. In other words, then iron's not going to be sharpening iron in that marriage. And I have found those people don't grow as fast. Those people don't confront their problems and deal with things as fast. And they don't see things as good. They really need a godly pastor to help them see things in a different way because if both of you are just alike, you're both looking down the road the same way. You know? And so it's good to have that iron sharpening iron. Amen? Praise God. Now, some people say, and you know, they say opposites attract. I don't know if that's really true, but I have heard that. So, uh, anyway, praise God. So if you're totally opposite, don't worry about it. Amen. Okay, so we're going on here. So it can be a loud wife or a quiet wife. It can be a real busy wife or a laid back wife. It's okay to be different, but every home has a submissive wife. Now, um, you know, every elephant is a gray elephant. Have you ever seen one that came in a different color? No? I, I, bet, I bet every elephant smells alike too, don't you? But you know, all women are not alike. And you know, you, if, if they were, you could just take the first one that came along. If they all looked alike, smelled alike, and acted alike. But they're all different, aren't they? So we're different. And, and the Bible says that we are to be submissive wife. Now, uh, submission is not having to have your way. When you're submissive, you don't have to have your way every time. Children are not submissive. They're obedient. Husbands are not submissive. Did anybody ever notice that? <laughs> That's not a surprise. But now the Bible teaches us here in this chapter that every home has something else. As a husband that loves his wife, every godly home has a husband that loves his wife like Christ loved the church. Now what did Christ do for the church? He died for the church. And I told you last week, men, I said, get ready to die. And I wasn't kidding. You know, you sometimes y'all, I'm the head. And you know, men like to flaunt that sometimes. Not men in this church, but you've heard men, bless God, I'm the head. My dad's a little bit of a chauvinist. He literally says out loud, women are for sex and domestic purposes. <laughs> I mean, that is what my dad says. And he, he gets up from the table, he goes and sits in his chair, and Michael will help me and Rita clear the table of the dishes. And he says, Michael, come in here, that's woman's work. 
Archie Bunker's, that show was written about my dad. <laughs> Sometimes I think. Anyway, actually, that was popular when we first got married, and we called him Archie, and he called Michael me dad. <laughs> that, was just kind of, <laughs> that was kind of a family joke. <laughs> and my mother did not like being Edith, and they got divorced right after that. <laughs> Truly. No, I mean not because they called. They did get divorced, but it wasn't because we called her Edith. Anyway, she did not like that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, just throwing a little humor in there so y'all don't get... Anyway, <laughs> I'd say it with him here, so don't... And he'd be saying amen if he was here. I can promise you. But that's not true. Amen. That's not how it is. And you can't... You're the husband. You're to love as Christ loved the church. And when you took on headship, you took on responsibility. Amen. When you took on headship, you became responsible before God. When you decided to get married, you said, I'm going to die to self. Now, some men don't know that. And they try to act single. And they try to, they want to have all the same relationship with their guy friends and stuff like that. When you get married, when you decide to say, I do, you are taking on a responsibility. You're giving up those things, and you're going to be dying to yourself in many ways, and we're going to get into that. And so uh, Christ died for the church. Now, I was reading, or actually I heard a story about a woman who was getting, who got a bunch of parking tickets. And, you know, she just ignored them. And they began to send her letters, the county, the city did, uh, about her parking tickets and that she needed to come in and pay them. And she threw them away and she ignored them. And uh, finally, there it came where they subpoenaed her and took her to court over these. And she ignored that too, the subpoena, and threw it away. And finally, when she did go, the judge sentenced her to several months in jail. But you know, her husband, he loved her like Christ loved the church. And, 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 and even though she had been very irresponsible, and she deserved all of that. You know what he did? He went before the judge and he said, let me serve in her place. And you know what? The judge granted it. And he went to jail for her. Now that's loving like Christ loved the church. Now think about it, men. If your wife had been totally irresponsible, and sometimes wives are irresponsible. Sometimes wives take a plastic card and they're irresponsible with it. But when you love her like Christ loved the church, you, may, you aren't going to hammer her. Now you may gently slip the plastic card from her hand and put it in your billfold if she cannot handle it. But you're not going to scream at her and yell at her and you're not going to, bless God, you're not ever getting anything else new. You're going to gently, as Christ would, take the little plastic card away from her. And you're going to say, honey, I'm going to help you with this for a while. You're not going to say, you can't control it. I bless God, you're never getting a credit card again. You're never spending any money. That's not how Christ would treat her, is it? And then you're going to pray and you're going to figure out how to pay it. Amen? Amen. And probably, if she's been irresponsible with that thing, it's your fault anyway. Because you may, I know, a, if you're always denying her, 
And if you're always griping about what she spends, you're going to make her want to feel like she needs to sneak around. And if you're not believing God to provide for that family, and she's having to figure out how to get what she needs, how to get what the kids need. Now, there are women that are just wild out there, but they don't go to this church, so we're not going to address that tonight. Amen. So this man went in her place. Now, um, when, when, when the Bible says submit, if you notice there in Ephesians 5 where it says uh, 22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. You know, I'm glad that God put the as unto the Lord phrase in there. Because, see, I, don't have, I, I have to submit, but I don't have to submit to something that God wouldn't ask me to submit to. Now, I may not agree with him that we're supposed to move, but there is a high likelihood that God could ask us to move. I mean, that could happen, couldn't it? And so I can submit to that. But if he asked me to do something immoral, the Lord wouldn't ask me to do anything immoral, would he? The Lord wouldn't ask me to sign an income tax return that I knew was false, would he? So I don't submit to anything that is immoral or illegal. If it's immoral or illegal, I'm not supposed to submit. Amen? Hallelujah. And God doesn't ask me to submit to anything that's abusive because it's as unto the Lord. Hallelujah. So God's not asking a woman to submit to a husband that doesn't love her like Christ loved the church. God's not asking a woman to submit to a man and let him beat her. God's not asking a woman to submit to a man that is having affairs. That is plumb stupid to go to a bed with a man who's sleeping with other women. Has anybody ever heard of AIDS? Has anybody ever heard of venereal disease? God's not going to protect you from that. I've heard people even say, I'm just praying I won't get pregnant. I've had church women say that to me that are married. I'm praying I won't get pregnant. Well, I, want, I, I say to them real quickly, what kind of birth control are you using? They say, well, I'm just believing God that I won't. But I said, but you know, God already decided how it was all going to work. And He already put all that plumbing in there. And <laughs> people are so foolish sometimes. No, God's not going to stop you from getting pregnant. If you don't want to get pregnant, do something about it. Amen? Amen. And so God doesn't ask women to submit to those things. God doesn't ask men to submit to women that are abusive. I know that happens sometimes. There are women that are abusive, and God doesn't... Well, I, that doesn't make sense, that women submit. But God's not... God, the man doesn't have to stay there and put up with that if she's abusing him. Now, <clears throat> that would have to be a special situation, but you know, I, I'm sure it does happen. Um, <clears throat> it does happen. I tell you, it, there's women that, um, uh, that don't speak to their husbands. That they'll go a month or two months without speaking. That's abusive. Amen? And when that happens, and, and, and you know, and I know that sometimes there's a way to pray and believe God, and, and you know, there's always factors from both sides. But I will tell you, and Brother Hagen taught us this. If you live like that woman and you do that, 
and your husband goes out with another woman, it's your fault. God's holding you responsible. Now, Brother Hagin taught us that. And that doesn't mean that that man's not going to have to answer for adultery. That doesn't mean that adultery was right in that case. No, it wasn't right. But you can just push a man so far. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, you know, I, 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 you know, we're talking about this because, you know, these things are bound to be happening in churches because they say the divorce rate's higher in churches now in Christians than it is in the world. Yeah. So these things that we're talking about are bound to be going on. Amen. Okay, so um, the wife has the power. God has given the wife the power of influence. Wives are to be submissive to their husbands. That doesn't mean they're supposed to be quiet and never give their opinion. No, it is wrong for your husband and you to be making a decision and for you not to, in a submissive way, without uh, lording it over him, for you to tell, well, you know, I feel that we should do it this way. It is wrong for you to sit back and let the man make a mistake and for you not to say, you know, I really have a check in my heart about doing it this way. And there is a submissive way that we can influence our husbands. We can influence them. And you know, I just need to say this. Women, make sure, since you have the power of influence, that you always influence your, your man to do right. I'm always amazed at women that don't influence their men. You know, we, you can influence your man to go to men's meetings. On Monday night when we have those. You can influence your man. See, we have a power to be a good influence. We should never, as women, use our influence to steer our husbands wrong. To steer them into sin. Oh, let's just go here. That is, I, I can't imagine a woman using her influence to steer her husband into sin. I guarantee you. You end up paying for those kind of things. You know, we have a power of influence. One thing E.L. Cole, well, I'll say E.L. Cole says is that women have the power of sex. Well, they do. They have that power. But we do not use our power of influence to manipulate our husbands. Did you know that the Bible says that manipulation is just like witchcraft? In fact, when we manipulate, we are into witchcraft. We're not to manipulate. And we aren't to use our influence. We are not to buy and sell sex at our houses, our homes. Now you say, well, who would do that? But I want to tell you, women, when you say things, if you'll buy me a new dress, we will. That is a prostitute. You're selling it. You're selling it. That's what prostitutes do is sell it. We're not supposed as godly women to barter with sex. Amen. First Corinthians 7, 3, if you want to go there. Now we're not going to get into a full-fledged teaching on sex tonight. We're going to do that on another night. And I think what we'll do when we get into the full-fledged teaching on sex, and I don't if God leads us, this is one way we could do it if God leads us, is we could have it on a whole separate night from church. And we could have the men in one room and the women in another. I think that'd be a good way to do it. And we could uh, let anybody that couldn't handle it stay home that way. Okay, but I'm not going. So I'm not going to scare you tonight. First Corinthians seven verse three: Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. 
Now that word, uh, actually that word benevolence is not even in the Greek. If you look at it up in the computer, it's got 999 over it. It doesn't have a Strong's number. That means the translators just added it for clarity. I don't know if it clarifies or not. But that word render there means conjugal duty. So we are to... Uh, we have a conjugal duty to our husbands, and the men have a conjugal, conjugal duty to their wives, and we're not to buy or sell. We're not to barter with this. We're to render. Amen? And I'll just tell you, sometimes people try to use uh, sex against each other, but a godly sex life will solve a lot of your problems. That'll solve a lot of things in marriages. Hallelujah. And the best thing to do is to have a wonderful attitude towards sex. Not to be shameful about it. I don't know. I think some people, uh, and I was raised in a home, and it was never said, but it was an undertone that as a child I picked up on that sex was dirty. And it was never said. And I know that, that, my, that the older generation feels that way sometimes. And... Uh, uh, they feel like that it's a dirty thing. We need to get that out of our hearts. And the way you do that is by renewing your mind to the Word of God. And, re and, and going before the Lord in prayer and getting delivered of that stigma that could be in your heart concerning sex in marriage. Sex in marriage is very pure. And when, you, when the husband and wife come together for sex, uh, God's there. Now, I used to feel like, oh, God, don't mention the name of Jesus, you know. Well, you know, don't even talk about Jesus. And, you know, and you know, if you've got something, like I know Colin, you know, he's over here right now kind of sweating. No, and I, <laughs> but he said, you know, you don't, and, and, you know, you need to get this. This is a part of getting rid of sin consciousness, too, though. Because, you know, it's like, well, I don't like to think about my mom and dad. And I remember one time my... <laughs> Uh, I remember one time my grandmother talking to me about something. It's like, could you please keep that to yourself, Granny? You know, uh, concerning her and Grand Grand. And uh, it's like, I felt that way. And I know Colin said one time, I like to believe I was conceived in a test tube. <laughs> but the truth is, he was not conceived in a test tube. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, we need to be, and I'm just kidding him, but we need to be really free. See, I was getting back at him because I had to get over it before I could preach tonight because he hurt my feelings right before the service. And so I had to get over it, so I got back at him just there. No, I, no I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, but really, we got to get rid of all that sin consciousness. You know, and if you can't think about your mom and dad, and I'm not saying you go around thinking about it, but when your mom is in front of the church preaching on it, if, if you can't, if you're having a meltdown, or if your mom was to mention something, now I'm not saying you have to counsel her on it or anything like that, but if your mom was to mention uh, sex with your dad and you have start, start having heart palpitations or something, well... Uh, then there's some sort of a shame. It may be real deep-rooted. There's something shameful inside of you that shouldn't be there. There's never been a baby that came any other way except Jesus. Amen? And we need, and yet we go and see the world and they're just flaunting it everywhere. And we feel better about that and we look at that. I mean, we ha it's thrown in our face every day on every billboard and everything else. And sometimes we can look at that and not think anything about it, but yet and say something about what's truly godly, 
which is your mother and your daddy having sex, and we start going, and we'll go over here to something that's ungodly and feel comfortable with it. Isn't that strange? Isn't that way off base, family? And even some people, I know we taught one time in our other church on this subject. Actually, pastor taught. I didn't. On And actually, people in our family, it's like, oh, that's just not something you talk about in church. And they were just, you know, and he didn't even go into this really deep as we're not going into it deep tonight at all, just kind of touching on this. But anyway, we're not supposed to have any shame here. Amen? We ought to be, you ought to be more upset if you thought your husband, if your mother and dad didn't do that. Because that means their marriage is real squirreled up. It's real messed up. Amen. Now some of you are looking at me strange, but that's true. But a godly man, and we talked about the woman, a godly man never uses force in any way. He never forces his wife in sex. He never forces her in anything. He doesn't use force. Because Christ never forces the church. If He did, He would force every Christian to pay their tithe. He would force every Christian to be at church on Sunday. Does He do that? No, He doesn't do it. Christ never forces the church. Hallelujah. So uh, the husband doesn't force the wife. The husband is willing to make sacrifices for the comfort of the wife. Remember, he's the head and he's responsible. Now, let me tell you how the godly home is supposed to be, husbands. Anything you want, baby. Anything she wants, he'll do it for. Because isn't that how Christ would be about the church? Anything you want, baby. I may not can do it today financially, but I'll believe God. Anything you want. That's Christ's example. As long as it's not illegal or immoral, once again, He doesn't give her anything she demands that's not... And and, and you know she shouldn't be demanding. That's a wrong word to say. You know, if you treat her like this, you will never, ever, ever have to worry about submission. And if you've had a problem with submission in your home, then you hadn't been loving her like Christ loves the church. Amen? Now, you know, maybe she goes to town and she finds a new sofa. And she says, honey, you know, we've been talking about needing a new sofa. I found it. Oh, I found the best looking sofa. And he goes, hmm, okay. You know, one thing wives is, and you just need to get ready for this, they're never going to be as enthusiastic as you are. That's just men. Okay? But anyway, so you say, could we, could I, I want you to come down and look at it. Okay, okay, well, maybe we'll do that later in the week. And so, you know, you get him out sometime after lunch or something, and, or maybe after you go out to dinner and you say, okay, let's stop at Haverty's and let me show you this sofa. Okay? And so he stops and he looks at it and he says, oh, and you know, <clears throat> he doesn't tell her no. Now, he may not financially be able to do that that day. But you know what he can do? He can say, honey, I tell you what, we'll believe God. We'll put a down payment on it. We'll see if they'll hold it. We'll put a down payment on it. We'll see if they'll hold it. And you know, a godly woman, now, she doesn't ask for anything that's unreasonable. I mean, without reason. If he's making $1,000 a month, she, she's, she's not, it's, she wouldn't be asking. A godly woman, led by the Spirit, wouldn't ask for a $3,000 sofa. 
You know, they make $3,000 sofas. Amen? But uh, They make them more than that, but... Amen? But you know what? If he, and a godly woman, see, she's not going to ask for anything unreasonable. But I want to tell you something else about a woman, and I've seen women in, in our circle, this, this circle... I've seen them be this way more than not, where the husband is kind of is, is loving them like Christ loved the church, and he's saying, honey, just go ahead and get you a housekeeper. Oh, no, I'd feel guilty. I just feel so bad. I just can't do it. I just can't. I'd feel guilty. Listen, honey, if your husband says get you something, just march yourself down to the store and get it. <laughs> See, sometimes as wives, we don't let our husbands take responsibility for us. He's the head. He's responsible. And when he tells you you can go do something, he's taking responsibility for you, and he's letting you go. And how many times do... I, I ask women sometimes at my ladies' meeting, how many of you feel guilty for buying a new dress? Nearly all of them will lift their hands. we got to get over that, family. That's not prosperity. That's not prosperous thinking. That's poverty thinking. A lot of them go to town and, and then feel guilty. If they didn't buy it in a garage sale, they feel guilty. You know, if somebody tells you, oh, that's a nice dress, and you said, got it at a thrift store, if you have to tell them that, now I'm not saying it's wrong by a thrift store. I mean, if I find a bargain, I love it. But if you feel like you always have to justify, oh, I got it on sale, it was 75% off. If you have to justify it, you got poverty thinking. Absolutely. And you got to get rid of that. You don't have to justify it. You know what? It's okay if you paid $250 for it. It's okay. If your head said it was okay, if your head's happy about it, now if you snuck it in the car, we talked about last week, and you've hid it in the trunk of the car, that's deception. That's not a godly woman. A godly woman's not deceptive. Amen? She's not hiding things from her husband. She's not hiding credit card bills from him. Amen? You know, I'll just tell you this. We talked about different homes are different. There are some women that are just better at the checkbook and balancing stuff than the men, right? And there's some men that are better at it. Some men could do it. Amen. And if they use their faith, they all could. But if your wife does do it, and you know maybe it's an arrangement that you have to have. You ought to have her head of the home. You ought to say, now, you make me a list of every bill every month. And you make me a list of how much it, co what, how much it is and how, uh, when it's due. And you make me a list of all the, if, if, if it's a credit card, you make me a list of the minimum payment and the, and the total payoff. You make me a list. You know, if you are going to let her do it, then at least be informed. At least have something you can take before God. And you can say, okay, Father, this visa has uh, $6,000 on it. Now, I'm believing you for $6,000. Instead of, you know, sometimes men don't even know what's going on in their home, in their finances. How can you be the head of something and not know anything about it financially? You wouldn't even think about a business, you being the owner or the boss of a business, and you not knowing anything about it financially. Amen. And if y'all have overextended, and she has spent more, or and maybe don't you you you're not gonna win any points with God in getting Him to help you pay it off if you're lamb blasting her about it. 
And you know, some men, I've seen this, they think, it's like, well, just how could you spend that much? Well, you need to, if you ever felt that way, you need to go shopping with her. Because some men live back in the dark ages. They don't know what things cost anymore. I know my grandfather, I'm going to use him for an example. I mean, I love him with all my heart. I'm named after him, so I'm not trying to put him down, but he, he just came from a generation. And he was a cowboy. He was a rancher. And, and he really thought this way. He thought, and, and this is like he died in, he died in 98, I think, or 99. And he thought this way. Any good old cowboy ought to be able to live on $100 a month plus their, uh, their house and, the, and, a, and a side of beef. Well, how many of you know that that was some sort of, that, that was back maybe in the 50s. But a good old cowboy today can't live on $100 a month, can they? I mean, a bad cowboy can't live on $100 a month. Amen? There's not any kind of cowboy that can live on $100 a month. But he lived, in the, he lived back there, and, and some men are like that. Maybe not to that degree. But it's like, well, how could you spend so much at the grocery store? Well, you need to go with her and go down the aisles and get into reality of what things cost these days. And you need to go with her when she, help, when she buys the, the kids' clothes. And you'll know how she could spend so much. Amen? You need to get into the reality of what 2001 is like. Amen? Amen. And then you'll, you'll, you'll be, you've got you've to be responsible, so you've got to be informed. The Bible says in Peter... That men, you are to dwell with her according to knowledge. Amen? You know, some men, they're just like, well, who could ever understand a woman? Well, you're supposed to be trying to figure it out. Asking God, you're supposed to be getting knowledge about how, what, what makes her tick. What makes her think the way she thinks. Amen? So, um, so he takes care of her and he has the anything you want, baby. Now, honey, now women, this is the night. To go home and get it. Whatever you want. Because see, I've just taught it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So this is your night. This is the big night. This is the big night. You can get him to commit to a new sofa or a new house. or. But you know, men sometimes resist. She'll say, well, you know, I'm just, I, I, I just have a desire for a new house. Well, bless God. And they go into some sort of, you know. And you know, all that is talking is your head. It's not your spirit. And you know, all that is is fear and lack. And all of us sometimes have that little problem. Not, not, I'm not talking about men and women. Amen. Praise God. But we're working it out. We're getting rid of it. So he loves his wife. He takes responsibility for her. Now words, we're going to end right now pretty quick. I don't have much. Words are important in a marriage. Words are so important. We need to be telling each other. But men, you need to especially. Seem like women are better with words. I read somewhere I think women have 25,000 words a day and men have something like 12 or something. And he comes home from the office and he's used up all 12. And she's been with, huh? 12,000 words, not 12 words. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, mean, I didn't mean to make that. 12 words. Yes, no. <laughs> now, 12,000 words in a day is what they want to talk. A woman, 25,000. She's been home with the kids all day. She, you come home, yeah, nah, nah, she starts in because she's got 24,000 left. 
You know, because how many can she use on a toddler that don't talk yet? <laughs> you know, so she, so really, truly, I'm talking truth here, y'all. And so, uh, but words are so important in a marriage. And while, uh, husbands, I'm just going to tell you this. Women, all women, want to be special. And you have got to convey to your wife that she is so special. You know, women want you to celebrate their uniqueness, their, that they are special. Amen? That she's not just one of a bunch in this world. Amen? But she is so unique. She is so special. And you're going to have to tell her, you are special. And I'll just tell you, women need to hear it a lot. And you need to treat your wife and talk to her differently than you do any other woman. Don't put any other woman in the same class as your wife. Don't treat any other woman as good as you treat your wife. Now your mother, you can treat her right up under. <laughs> no, just, <laughs> just keep that in mind, guys. Now, <laughs> but don't treat any other woman that special or that uniquely. You know, some men really do treat their mothers better than they treat their wives. Don't do it. Don't do it. Make it plain to your wife that your mother is no competition for her. Make it plain to your mother that she's not even in the same class as your wife. If your mother says, don't tell your, let's just say your wife's name's Jane. We'll just put that one out. Of, don't tell Jane this. Say, no mother. Don't tell me anything. Or if anybody tells you that. Don't tell me anything I can't tell my wife. Now, you may not tell her everything that happens at your office. Men, sometimes you don't need to put every burden on her. Everything you know, you don't have to tell her because you're protecting her. You're guarding her. Amen? But don't let people tell you things you can't. I had to tell my parents that right off. Don't tell me something I can't tell my. I had to tell my parents that. Don't tell me anything I can't tell Michael. Amen? And, and, and I've had to tell my parents before, and you need to tell yours. Don't make me choose. Because be, you won't be seeing me if you make me choose. See, sometimes parents want to make you choose. Well, bless God, if you marry her, I'll, you won't ever see me again. Well, fine. Don't make them. Parents, if you're in here, don't make them choose. Hallelujah. If your kids are grown, you don't have any business involved in their lives except as a, 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 a you are brothers and sisters in Christ. You are friends. And of course, you, are, you have a relationship because you're their parents, but you don't need to interfere in their lives. Amen. Praise God. We're on a good subject here. We're on a roll. Don't ever give your wife a reason to be jealous or insecure. Don't ever give her the slightest reason. Now, I realize that there are people that have jealousy in them that, from former situations and stuff, and they need to work that out. But I'll tell you one thing. Don't ever give them a reason to be jealous. The Bible says to abstain from the very appearance of evil. And I, just while I'm on the subject, I might as well just say this. There is no such thing as a married woman having a male friend. You can just forget that. Just don't even go there. 
There's no such thing as a married man having a female friend. Now, you can have a co-worker, but you're going to have to keep it at very much arm's length as far as friendship. You don't have any business a married man going out to lunch with another woman. A married woman doesn't have any business. Now, I realize we have a corporate world, and, and sometimes there's business things. But I'm talking about just going out for, if there's not a business reason that you have to do it, you don't need to be there. If you have a business reason that you have to, then your husband or wife should be totally informed. Don't let her hear from somebody else that you were in a restaurant with some other woman, even if it's corporate. Amen? There's no such thing as those kind of things. So you've you got to make these decisions before you marry people. When you get married, you've made the decision. Now you can be friends as a couple. We have, as a couple, we have male friends. And as a couple, we have female friends. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Everybody got that. Everybody understand. This is one of the things that causes marriages to have problems that we should never even have. We just had the wisdom of God. There's a lot of problems we'd never even face. Amen? Amen. So don't ever give her any reason to be jealous or insecure. Glory. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Love indeed, not just in word. We talked about gifts being way, one way we love indeed. Not just saying words. See, you're going to have to back it up. Amen? Faith without works is dead. You're special without something coming behind it. Every once in a while is dead. We talked to, so you're going to back it up with deeds. Take some of the workload off of her. That's one of the things. Now the woman, according to 1 Timothy 5.14, I am winding down, I promise. The women, well, woman is, the man's the head of the wife. The family unit, he's the head of. He's not the head of the house. The woman is the keeper of the home. If she likes it purple, if she wants the bedroom floral, and you say, I, don't, I want it masculine. I want horses in my bedroom. You should have stayed single. You should have stayed single. Now, she may love horses too. Hopefully, that's the case. But it's her choice. If she wants it all pastels this year and next year, and you can afford it, she wants it all purple. She's the keeper of the home. Amen. Now, a godly woman is not going to set a death trap for her husband and put something in the middle of the floor where he's going to kill himself. You know, she's going to be considerate of all the people in the family. But some men just, bless God, don't like change. Don't move the furniture. No, she's the keeper of the home. She's the keeper of the home. Amen? And she's to school herself in these things and know these things. But it doesn't say that you cannot help her in the home. Amen. And if she works, now see in Bible days, it was never thought that the woman, the man didn't just totally provide financially and the woman was at home keeping the home and the children. But we live in 2001, don't we? And for whatever reason, in a lot of homes it takes two incomes, doesn't it? And, I, and, and if she is out there helping do what the Bible says is the head of the home's responsibility, which is to provide, then he needs to take part of the workload at home. Then all the house is not, keeping of the house is not her responsibility. If she's working, if she's working with you, now if she stays home, then, you know, of course most of it's going to, should fall to her. Amen? 
And, and if we're going to have heaven in the home, that's what we've been talking about, days of heaven, the home is to be an orderly place. It can't be women and men. It can't be nasty. It can't be cluttered because is heaven cluttered? The, when the, listen, when the pears fall from the tree in heaven, they don't lay on the ground and decay. They disappear. I didn't read that in the Bible. I read it, Brother Jesse, <laughs> when he went to heaven. Well, our homes are to be orderly and clean. And if he doesn't help you, you're still responsible, wife. That's what the Bible says. You're still responsible. I don't care if you are overloaded. Believe You've got to believe God. Amen. And men, I want to tell you something. There is nothing more scriptural. You say, well, she stays home all every day. She don't need a housekeeper. Well, that's not Bible. Those prosperous men. Sarah had maids. And there I remember, Abraham and Sarah is our example. Peter tells us that Abraham and Sarah are our examples of headship and submission, and she had maids. The Proverbs 31 woman has maids. Amen? Now, you need to set that in your... You, men, see, some men don't even want to provide that for... It's one thing, it's one thing to not be able to provide it yet. It's another thing to not even want to. You ought to want to provide it. And say, honey, we're not there yet, but bless God, we're going to believe God. And you're having, you're having a housekeeper. You're having a maid. Amen. I, I like Brother Leroy. He says, if you can't hire one but for 40 minutes, if that's all you can afford right now, 40 minutes a week, then start there and move up. Believe God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Now, the husband, if, if your wife's struggling, you're supposed to take care of her. And your priorities, men, are going to be tested. You will have to die to yourself sometimes. You know, my husband, and I can tell you honestly, he's always put himself last. Where his clothes are concerned, but behind me and the kids, and now not so much the kids, but behind me, he all, I'm always first before everything. And when you put her first in her clothes and, 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 and you put yourself last, which is how it ought to be. And I'm not just saying that. He'll tell you that too. When you put her first and you encourage her to take care of herself and to do good things for herself and to buy nice things for herself and, and all those things, you know, you won't have any problems in your home. And I tell you what, God will bless you. God will bless you. And you know, your wife, and I don't need to say this in this room, but I bet you I could say it to about 95% of the men in Tuscaloosa County, is your wife and her thing and her clothes and all that, they come before your toys. Your guns and your four-wheelers and all those things, those deer blinds and all those things that you think you and you know your wife comes before that. And you may need to make some sacrifices in the beginning years. You may not even get to touch those things for several years while you take care of her. And you may, you know, she, you, you ought to deck her out because the Bible says she's your crown. Amen? You ought to be encouraging her. No, honey, don't, don't even go to Walmart. Don't go buy your clothes. You go somewhere and, you, and take her. Amen? And, and do those things for her. And 
And then your wife, she, when you get ready to buy a toy, well, actually, you'll be like me. You won't even have to go buy your own toy. She'll just go buy it for you. See, he, he went to Tulsa, and I just went down, and God spoke to me. And God said, go buy him a motorcycle. I heard the Lord. I was reading the paper. I heard the Holy Ghost say, go buy him a motorcycle. And I was scared, to tell you the truth. I wasn't scared of buying it. I was scared of going in there and negotiating because I had never done nothing like that. I've been married all my life practically. And I went in there, and I negotiated with them. And, and you know, and you know, you say, well, you know, yeah, when we get the money. I didn't have the money. I financed the thing. I said, no, I, I'll believe God. Me and him will believe God. I went in there and I, I said, my, God told me to buy my husband a motorcycle. We're going, and you know what? I had to do it that way because he had been believing for a bunch of years. God had to do it that way. And he was always putting me first. And so he never would just go out and finance it and buy the thing and pay it off. We nearly got it paid for now. But anyway, and you know, that's how he just wouldn't have done it. He just couldn't, he couldn't put, not put me first and the kids first. Because if I say, well, no matter what I say, I want to get the kids. He says, okay, we'll do it. We'll do it. And he never says a word. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter what I come home with. I, don't have, I can come home with 40 sacks from Kirkland's and he don't say nothing. He don't say nothing. Amen. Praise God. And sometimes, you know, I know I've stretched us. He just believes God some more. He just believes God. Now, I don't just, I don't put us in a bind, but I know there's times that I have, I've stretched the month a little. I don't do bad things. And one time his daddy, and see, his daddy said to him, said, now you got to watch these women that love strawberries. And he gave him this big story about women that love strawberries are going to get you in trouble and you got to, you know, deny your woman. So ever since then, I've been the strawberry girl. Because, you know, it was kind of veiled, but we knew his dad was saying, your wife, you know, you need to put the clinch on her. <laughs> well, he never has put the clinch on me, and I'm the strawberry girl. I tell you, I like strawberries. Not, I'm not talking about I like pretty things. That's what strawberries are. Amen. Praise God. Now, I'm not giving you wives a license to go out and sin. Wherever your level of liberty is with your husband and with your finances, you, you live there and believe God for the higher level. But I am talking to us about believing God to be a blessing. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand up together. Thank you, Jesus. We're having heaven.